Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. Thank you for me, Scott. One, two and a half. Islands in the stream. That is what, that is we, what are. we are. No one in, one between. in between. How can we, we be wrong? Sail away with me to another draft. <laughs> and we'll rely on each other. Aha. Uh-huh. From, from one Saturday draft live host to another. Aha. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> we definitely heard that. <laughs> no, but the OG team is back. The OG team is back here on Saturday Draft Live. Scott McLeod, how the devil are you? I am doing very well, David. Like, last time you and I were just you and I hosting together, I'm pretty sure COVID lockdown was just starting. That's how long ago you and I were together. That is crazy it's so mental to think about that how much has changed since the last time both of us were here because obviously i left you guys you went on with jack and dave took over the show then you took a brief hiatus is when i came back and now four of us are together again so occasionally the two of us will be back on this show doing the action together and it feels good it feels like the old times um but it's going to be great it's going to be a fantastic time i'm really looking forward to it scott but there is one thing i feel we need to get out of the way all right, because there's something that exists that didn't exist back in the day when the two of us were doing it. And do you know what that is? The Listeners League. The bloody Listeners League. So I'm going to run down the top five quickly just to get this shambles out the way. All right, and then we'll get into the good stuff. All right, because fifth this week is Thomas Fraser with Here Comes the Money. He must not be a Rangers fan, Scott. That's all I'm going to say on that. Then Jonathan (laughs) Swift is fourth with Swifty Tombstones Lee. Again, if you would like to donate to Lee's uh, just GoFundMe page to pay for his medical bills after Jonathan has tombstoned him quite a bit, then go and find that online. That'll be great. Adam Calley, P45. Not much to say about this. Adam Calley... He doesn't strike me as a very exciting fellow, which I'd kind of like him to win the Listeners League because the last two Listeners League winners that have came up, as we know, were horrible people. So see someone quiet that knew their place and sat in the corner, I quite like that. Adam Calley, my pick to win. Ross Brady with the talented Mrs Ripley. Uh, The Brady Bunch is a thing. Uh, that was a television show back in the day. I wonder if Ross Brady is involved in that. And then we've got JP with shirts in, balls out. And the thing is, Scott, I just don't like someone who clearly has had their second name partially taken away. It's like Vince McMahon has attacked JP in the street and has been like, give me your surname. But JP has just managed to fight him off enough, you know, just to keep that letter, just to keep that capital P. And I'm just like, what's the point? So I'm refusing to call him JP, Scott. I will only call him J, and that is what I say about that. All right, shirts and balls out, number one. JP probably coming up next season. And that's and that's the listeners league. But we are going to do our usual and get into the top three of the week. And Scott, we have a three-way tie um, at the third spot this week on six points. We have the Young Bucks on six points um, from AW. They're on Jack's team. We have Seamus uh, from Ryan's team, who's also on six points. And then we have Randy Orton, who made his return to WWE television this week also on six points now scott we're at the tail end of the season 
and I looking forward to next season. Out of those three draft picks that I've just mentioned, who do you think will be the hottest commodity heading in to season 10? Oh, I still think it's going to be the Bucks. Because mm-hmm. there's no real telling when they're going to lose the tag team title. They've held them since full gear last year, so they're coming up on nearly a year as champions. But even if you have them and they lose the belts, it does. It feels like this them being a team with Kenny is going to mm-hmm. be continuing for quite a while. So they're going to be all over the shop, all over the show, all over Dynamite, all over Rampage, yeah. and and you got two pay per views uh, for AEW next season. So I definitely think the Bucks are the higher commodity because you know there's no real guarantees with Sheamus. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know it's US champion because he doesn't always defend the belt. Maybe he'll lose at SummerSlam and he won't be as valuable without the championship. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll take him down to a lower round uh, in terms of picks. And yeah. Orton, well, we don't know. I think Orton's also a bit unpredictable right now because you don't know if he'll remain a tight team with Riddle or is he going to go into a feud with Riddle. But if he goes into a feud with Riddle, is he then going to be used to put Riddle over, which means he'll be taking some big losses? A hundred percent. It could be 50-50 booking in that feud, knowing Randy Orton's mm-hmm. feud. You know I mean, that's what's made him. He's a big name, obviously a big wrestling name, but he's not a big drafting name because of that, because of the nature of how Randy Orton's rivalries go. I think you're spot on. I think the Bucks, in terms of tag team picks, apart, the trend aside with the, the Romans, Heyman sort of strategy, the Young Bucks are the best pure tag team, I think, that are available in the draft. So I completely agree with what you're saying there, Scott. Um, second place... It's Drew McIntyre on eight points. Now, I think the the one question I have for you, Scott, is this. What is your favourite season of Power Rangers? Oh, well, you know, it's hard to you know beat the original, but if I had mm. to say in terms of, you know, what was most overall entertaining, not just in terms of action, but story, I'd say Power Rangers in space. You can't go wrong with Power Rangers in space, you know. 100%. I don't know about you. I don't know about you, but I used to have they used to put together these VHSs of Power Rangers where they put multiple, basically a story that went across multiple episodes. They put it onto one tape as if it was some sort of mini mm-hmm. movie. And I had a version, a, a VHS of Power Rangers Space, which was all the original uh, uh, Psycho Rangers storyline. Nice. And I watched that nonstop. <laughs> That's amazing. I love that. Countdown to Destruction, a great season finale. Kid show or not as well. 100% agree with you, Power Rangers in Space. Time Force, though, give an honourable mention to. And don't forget to check out uh, Rogue Opinions and First Time Films. As always, this was our Drew McIntyre segment of the week. Uh, But at number one, Scott, um, the man who is driving forth a, a Gary Kernahan surge here in the draft, the man who is trying to to somehow get Gary to topple Jack, who's been absolutely dominant this season, it is team captain, Tony Schiavone. <laughs> now, when, when Tony Schiavone was picked up, Jack, did you, uh, Scott rather, did you expect him to make the impact that he has? Because Tony Schiavone, for all accounts, is the new Adam Pearce of the draft. <laughs> I'm sorry. What did you call me? Have you been going around with other co-hosts behind my back? <laughs> never, never, absolutely not. Don't don't listen to it. <laughs> but yeah, Tony Schiavone. It's two weeks in a row. He's been in such a high position here. To a point, he's the number one in the top five newcomers of the season, and obviously he's in the top ten overall in the season at number three with 102 points. Yeah. And this is the reason. Uh, I don't know if that will continue next season as a. They've announced a four-man team 
commentary wise for Rampage and Tony Schiavone is not one of them he's not there but there's nothing to say he can uh, you know do interviews but I think what's helping here is that not only is he doing like interviews and segments on Dynamite and that as well as commentary but he's also one of the commentators from Dark Elevation but uh, we'll talk about how that will become a factor next season a little bit but, yeah so I'm wondering how much of an impact he'll have if he, because in a lot of these points, may stick to Dynamite next season. So I don't know if mm-hmm. he'll have as much of an impact as Ampierce might continue. Like he and Sonyville probably will still continue to be across Raw and SmackDown next season. So, and as it, as what as, as much as he's really helping Gary's team at the minute, Gary is still 23 points behind Jack and with Drew on Jack's team and Drew now being officially confirmed to be facing. Gender at mm-hmm. SummerSlam. I think Drew's what's really helping Jack's team at the minute because we saw what happened after Drew's performance on Raw. Jack further opened the gap. It's closed a little bit more as the week's gone on. Yeah. Uh, but I think with as long as he's still got Drew on his team, Jack's still in the chance. Yeah, 100%. We talked about the Shivani effect, and I think you're right. Um, we'll get more into the, the news about Dark Elevation in a bit, but 74 appearances for the season dwarfs his, his nearest contender, which was Jimmy Uso in 51. You know, so it was it's one of those seasons, and we've always said that you need to play the season. And I think Gary saw Dark Elevation and Dynamite there. The commentary trend was, was coming about during that draft, and Gary took an opportunity that he saw, and it, it most certainly paid off. But you're also right about Drew, because I think we sat in the show for a lot of this season and said Drew was going to, Drew's going to have a come off here. Drew's going to go downhill. Drew's going to slow down. He hasn't. He hasn't really. You know, and I think you're right. That's what's carried Jack. And we'll, we'll, we'll transition into that uh, by looking at the top 10. So we've got Sarah uh, with Christian Cage's instant classic. She's in the last place with 152. Disastrous transfer window. We've talked about that. Um, Scott, you are there. 171.5 points. You know, you've come off the bottom spot. You said yourself, you know, it was. it's not a draft that you'll, you'll look back on fondly, but eye towards next season. Uh, team go. 195 points. Then we have the Alan Laurie Loyals. I can never say that name. On 197 points. Two points separate me and Ross. is a battle that I, I just want to win that. I would quite like to claim another wee, wee spot in the table. You know, that, that would be quite nice. Uh, the People's Opposition, Ryan Douglas, 214.5 points. Uh, Ryan Gallagher uh, has fallen a bit with 231 points. Um, Apollo Crews lost the Intercontinental title on SmackDown. Did not help his matters, but he did draft from last, so it's been a good season overall. Uh, the West End Country Club, David Hockney, 259 points. Seems to be the master of the transfer window, always able to to save a bad season after the transfer window is Dave he's done it twice now uh, so that's good for him uh, the top 1% Stephen Wilson 277 points and then Scott we get to this battle at the top I, I do think it's between two now Team Vistara Gary Kernan 294.5 points and Jack Graham with liquidated relegated still the same fantasy team a team they may must change because it's far too long, uh, with 317 points. Now, you pointed it out. Like There's only, like what, two, uh, 22.5 points between Gary and Jack. But do you think that Jack just has too much in the tank come SummerSlam for Gary to catch up with him in time? Well, I think we all can see that Drew winning, the, winning his match against 
Jinder Mahal. And I believe next next week on Dynamite that they announced the Bucks versus Jurassic Express for the tag yeah. titles. And so, you know, a successful defence from them would really help push him like over the edge. Like obviously because me and him were talking about last week. Uh me and Jack were actually talking about this last week, what it would take for a guy, especially at SummerSlam. Uh he's also got Tori Shavani, Samoa Joe's match with Karen Cross that's not being counted. Uh, Burt Baker's successful title defence wasn't counted, which obviously mm-hmm. would have uh, helped him if they were. Uh, Lashley is one of his tag team competitors, so if Lashley does retain over Goldberg at SummerSlam, Gary misses out on some valuable championship points in that regard, and it's yeah. 50-50 on whether or not Seth Rollins or Rhea Ripley walk out victorious, so I think just having Drew help Doug, but now that they've announced that tag match next week, uh, which I can't see the Bucks losing. I feel like Jack just has enough in the tank to finish the season strong. Yeah, and he said this to us. like He feels it's the most dominant um, victory in, in draft history if he manages to do it. And it's hard to argue with that. You know, I mean, you go back and you look at, you look at the gaps uh, throughout the seasons, though. I think it'll be the most dominant victory in terms of him, in terms of him being on top from the start. But in terms of the mm-hmm. gap, it might not be that dominant. Like, there was only 33.5 points separated uh, me and Alan in Season 1. Uh, roughly the same around the 20 mark in Season 2. We got up to the 30 mark with Dave's win in Season 3. You, in that infamous Season 4 finish, only beat Ross by 6 points. Um, but in terms of dominance, when you look at the gap, in terms of a gap, Stephen Wilson's Season 5 performance still stands up there as maybe the most dominant. Now, I get Jack's point. I get what he's saying. He's been on top since week one and no one's challenged him. But in terms of the final gap, is that how we define dominance or is it in terms of longevity? Scott, what's your opinion on that? I think given that, you know, pretty much he said since the start, he's been on top and it's people come close, but no one's like properly knocked him off the top spot. I think you have to count that for something. And, you know, Get, I think, yeah, Stephen's got a bit wider gap, but, you know, I think given the longevity, given how long the season's gone, and imagine to hold on to that top spot, that's got to count or something. Mm. I, I definitely think. Uh, I talk about some of the other things on this board. Uh, it's interesting Ryan's probably going to finish, Ryan Gallagher, that is, is probably going to finish mid-table, and you talked about you talked about a lot at the start of the season about him picking the mid-card champions when nobody else seemed to be focused on them, and mm-hmm. how well that did him at first, and then that is then ultimately like hurt him at the last three stages now with only a couple weeks ago. Yeah. One of the mid-card champions has now lost his championship. 100%. Uh, nobody even thought, to, nobody really thought to pick up Shinsuke Nakamura in the transfer, so nobody's really benefiting from that. Uh, yeah. And also me and Sarah are not benefiting. I, think, I don't think either of us would have uh, moved uh, further because I think we're both in the same position of Rampage was counted last night. Yeah. <laughs> because you got Christian winning the Impact World title. The biggest one he's had so far, not just in AEW, but in the draft season, it's not even counting for anything. I don't and feel I had Christian, but a, but a, uh, my captain, Christian, but a Fuego del Sol, and not mm-hmm. counting in Steve, That's Stephen Wilson. I've got a boy to pick with him. Oh. Got your first and second, that's regardless. Like, oh, so I should just be happy. I should not be annoyed <laughs> that my buddy captain's missing out on championship one points. The most valuable points you can get in the draft. Fuck you, Mate, Stephen. Ah, I guess. Everyone has a problem with him. Everyone has a problem with him. I agree. I go, to his, I go to his for SummerSlam. I'm going to shit me tall. I'm not going to fucking flush it. 
Listen, it's not Dave's you're going to. There will be toilet paper. Um, but I will, I, will, <laughs> I will bring us on to some good news, Scott. It is a day for celebration. I'd bring out Schluer, but I don't want to give you PTSD. We have a situation, Scott. We have a situation where every form of AEW Dark is now gone from the transfer window. Stephen Wilson, from the transfer window, from the draft. I'm that excited about it. Stephen Wilson has made a ruling that Dark Elevation will not count next season. Dark Elevation is out. Rampage is in. Do you like this really? I can totally see why this is happening. I definitely agree with the idea of like, you we should limit the amount of AEW shows that count here to two. Mm-hmm. And with the introduction of Rampage, we discussed it last week, me and Jack, that they're describing it as a third hour dark. The first episode had like three <laughs> title matches on it. And yeah, maybe by like the end of next season, they might already have like stopped caring about it and make it a B show with like the war card guys like Dark was, yeah, uh, like very much Dark is. But e- either way, it's still going to be more valuable because you know for the first wee while you get you have some big players still showing up, continuing storylines there if they can't fit them on Dynamite. But then if you pick a lower ranked person in AEW in the later rounds and they start using uh, Rampage as basically another form of Dark, they'll still probably make an appearance on there. Mm-hmm. So. It's going to add more, you know, like you said, the idea of an extra wee championship match that they won't make put on a Dynamite or a pay-per-view may go on Rampage. You won't get, we're never going to get that on Elevation or Dark. 100%. And Scott, we have some big news now to finish us off. Next season, you already said it, it's going to be the biggest season ever. We are trying to bring back as many of the old drafters as possible. People who have left the draft, people you thought you would never see again. We're bringing them back, baby. We're bringing them back with a bang. And Scott, there's one man I want to start off with. We're going to announce four of these people today. And that's Alan McLucas returning to the draft. Now, when we did Saturday Draft Live, Alan McLucas was someone we always discussed because Alan played the first six seasons of the draft. Right, He played the, the first six seasons of them, and he always came close. He came second in the first ever draft. He was four, four, fifth, uh, seasons two through four, fifth in uh, season six. He's always a player, and we talked about it with Alan, who took a risk. He always loved taking a risk, and sometimes it bit him in the ass, but sometimes it nearly paid off. Alan McLucas coming back to the draft, I would say, is the biggest wild card out of the returning players that we have. Do you agree with that? And it's interesting because, you know, as I said, like, if he does t- choose to take a risk and uh, this is a short season, so, you know, maybe sometimes taking a risk is what you've got to do. Because mm. uh, we talked a lot about his choices of some XT UK picks in season three. And while it didn't help him win the draft, it definitely helped him get a surge in the last few weeks because of takeover of Blackpool 2. I like yeah. Bigelow. <laughs> uh, and so, you know, he he's not afraid to you know play the long game, play get a pick that may not get him points for maybe the first few weeks or so, but about mm-hmm. a month in, so and so gets a big win on Raw or pay per view, and they surge up, he hudges him up a, lot, a couple of points. So I think he's gonna look back on you know, his past performances and hope they come back with a bang. Even if he doesn't finish on top, he's gonna want to finish high mm-hmm. in the season. He like show or prove he's still and everything. Because uh, yeah. I can't remember much else other than he sees the ones. I know he was one of the first to properly pick Drew when Drew's value in the draft went up in the season four draft. He was number one. First singles pick, he was right in there with Drew McIntyre. And also Drew went on and won the title. And Drew's been like one of the hottest commodities since. 
Yeah, hundred percent. And that season four performance, like he, he didn't win from number one, but no one plays well from number one. If you quite frank in this draft, <laughs> it seems to be a cursed position. Uh, but you managed, you managed to beat him in that season. Number one pick in the draft election. It's going to become like number thirty in the rubble was for a while until Undertaker <laughs> finally won it. Nobody Absolutely. wins it, even though even though it's the best like spot. Eventually, Aye. somebody will win it in season fucking twenty three. I don't know. And hundred percent. There's someone else that I want to bring up who was a an old friend to us, Scott. This person played in seasons two, three, and four, and she had. Great table positions such as 8th in Season 2, 10th in Season 3, and 10th in Season 4. I am, of course, talking about the legendary Stacey Smith making her return to the draft. How excited are you to see Stacey coming back into this thing? I'm I'm not going to lie, Scott. I don't even want myself to win Season 10. I want Stacey to win Season 10. That's my point on it. (laughs) Uh, I mean... Stacey has this uncanny ability when it comes to the draft to make us all feel better by selflessly, you know, finishing last so we don't have to. And, you know, we all we all need last place people. Uh, and, you know, that's just, you know, that's Stacey. I think I joke, I called it in season four the Stacey Smith Participation Award. I called last place. And she's coming back. Yeah, it's named after me. I'm going to take it back. A hundred percent. I'm so excited to see Stacey back in the draft. She's always a good laugh whenever she shows up. Um, but someone who you talked about, Alan, maybe having, you know, a bone to pick. A man who was part of maybe the most controversial moment in draft history, Keith Legate. Daniel Campbell is coming back. He is coming back to the draft. He played in seasons four, season five, and season six. Um with some with some decent performance like infamously. Um, in season six, he finished second. Yes, he was finding his footing in the seasons before that, mid-table season four, uh, a bit further down in season five. But we saw what Daniel did the last time he was in the draft, Scott. We saw how close he came to beating Jack. You know what I mean? It was one point in it that separated Daniel Campbell being a draft winner from Daniel Campbell being second place. You've got to think that that's going to be in Daniel's mind when he enters into that draft room for season 10. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jack, obviously, he's on the track to become a two-time winner, and he's getting an easier go of it this time because, you know, it was Daniel that was his main competition uh, in Season 6, you know, back and forth, so, so it was. And I think, basically, he played a wine over the Street Profits on his team. That really was a help to him at mm-hmm. the time. And also, even they won on the finale of the season. That really almost clinched it for him. And so I was yeah. kind of sad that he didn't come back, given he came so close, he proved he could uh, win the season. And then... He had to come back shortly after anyway because he became co-champion alongside David Hockney. He had to come back so we could crown an undisputed champion. Yeah, he's so, been, on, been on this show, which is it's been good. He's a good sport. Good sport for that. <laughs> yeah, so I'm, I'm happy to see him stepping back into his way. Hopefully he remembers, he retains the knowledge that he used and you know, the, the strategy he employed because, mm. once again, it was a Survivor, Summer London Survivor Series that he nearly, season that he last played in and he nearly won. So maybe keep, hopefully he'll keep that same strategy and maybe try and come on out on top this time around. 100%. And the last person that we need to talk about is the Savage known as Strat. Played in Season 7. Debut, it's it, it's hard to find your foot in your first season. Um, and we all know that. You know, we've all made mistakes before in the draft. Um, but then his second season was the tag team season in Season 8. 
uh, and he was teamed with Sarah, and obviously it didn't go too well. They made some mistakes. They left they left Kenny Omega on the table, was the infamous one that people sort of shoot them for because they drafted Britt Baker instead, uh, the number one spot, and people were like, what are you doing? But you've got to think now, Strack, he had that season seven out of the way. The tag team season was what it was. It's hard to judge an individual on that. Do you think that Strack has the potential to come back a bit stronger when he re-enters the free in season 10? I think, first off, uh, if next season somebody picks Brock Baker now on, I don't think anybody will be uh, kicking off nearly as much as we were at the time. 100%. Because he, he didn't have anything going for it at the time. But with Strack, yeah, it is difficult your first season. I mean, look at where we got, once we've talked about how Ryan Gallagher has improved in the last couple of seasons. So alongside you, won a season in the first ever uh, draft season in season mm-hmm. eight. Uh, but his first season, season five, he was just, he made too many, he took too many risks, you know, it's, Talking about taking a risk, he is an example of a risk going too far. Uh, <laughs> and Strat made some mistakes drafting too heavy an AEW team, I yeah. believe, uh, to help, really help him, especially that short of a season that he was involved in. And then, other than the fact that he was still training his feet, and then Sarah was, had taken some time away from the draft, she was coming back in. And while they may get along in real life, it showed the idea that while you might like the person you're teaming with, their draft strategies clearly did not mix. And yeah. they were still saying, well, well, I wanted this pick and he didn't, or, or Jack Strack picked someone that Sarah didn't want to pick, but she went with him anyway, mm-hmm. and everything. And that really ultimately caused them to finish last place. So mm-hmm. I think Strack needs to heavily reevaluate, you know, and I know you don't like this, but they know the consistency here and the <laughs> diversity of his team, you know. Like I'll, maybe, I'll agree with it this time. I'll agree with it in this specific instance. <laughs> yeah, look across, the, look across like, the different brands here, maybe. Especially like Raw and SmackDown people, I think this is the season especially to start looking more at the main roster than we usually would because the season finishes at Survivor Series. Mm-hmm. And, you know, whether we like it or not, they, they are probably going to keep this whole Raw v SmackDown thing going. And that yes, does get a lot of people nice. on the card. And when you've got to think champions, how does that affect mm-hmm. it? Do you really want to take the risk on wins and losses for the champions? We'll need to see. But, Scott, we're going to leave you. I just noticed this stat to finish off. See if Gary finishes second this season. It'll be the fourth time in the last five seasons that Gary has finished second, and he's still not had a win. He's he's, he's our Daniel Bryan. He's the Daniel Bryan of this draft. He's always been considered the the, the B plus player. How absolutely mental is that? Like honestly, like he is easily now. Like we've talked about the best player to never get a draft win. It's easily Gary. You know, it, it like it's beyond reproach at this point. You can't finish saying uh, But anyway, Scott, it was a pleasure uh, having you back uh, with me uh, doing it together. Uh, and I will see you at draft night, my friend. I look forward to it. But I tell you, when uh, Gary wins the season, it probably won't be this season. But like this season, he finally wins one. I tell you, the roof is going to come off the place. I tell you. <laughs> <laughs> the miracle on Bourbon Street. Uh, I will be back with David Hockney next week, wrapping things up. Um, obviously, we finish at SummerSlam. It'll be the Saturday draft live before SummerSlam. Myself and David Hockney before the whole gang sees you at the draft show. Until then, see you later, folks. Ten, nine.